Welcome to the Pub on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is... I am the Pope in question. My name is May Lynn. I am a trans-Episcopalian, Woodite, and part-time Pope, which is a title I came up with about an hour ago that sounds just as ridiculous as my continued existence. Welcome to episode 449 of the podcast, which means technically, uh, if you know anything about math, that we have done 448 episodes before this one. Don't bother checking our math on that. Why would we lie? That would be a bizarre thing to make a reoccurring bit on the show. Very excited about today. We're going to be talking about movies. I've got a list. Uh, a very different historical approximations. We'll be talking a bit about some more recent history. And this week's movie, I will be reviewing two movies at the same time in part three. When we get to this week's movie, the little known 1988 film Flesh Eating Mothers. Yes. A great film. You know, Nelson Mandela wrote Flesh Eating Mothers in prison. Yes, he did. Uh, amazing person, amazing leader. Uh, so yeah, let's get to it. <laughs> yes, Bunny, I'm not calling you Jack. Okay, I heard okay. that. Okay, it's just that, as you may recall, we decided five episodes ago, five episodes ago, back in episode 444, that our randomly occurring potpourri of little bits in the monologue should be called Jeff. Now, personally. I thought and still think that this segment should be called the Betty White Memorial Pod Monologue segment brought to you by Raid Shadow Legends Download today. But Jeff was chosen, and so Jeff it is. So here's a bit of tiny stuff I came up with over the past three weeks. Let's Jeff this dang thing up to 11. All right. Uh, culture war BS. Culture war BS. The far right... They don't have that much in terms of policy. But what they are really good at is getting Republicans and the far right and conservative Christians angry enough that they vote against their own best interests. And so uh, they always are fighting these culture war things that the majority of Americans don't actually care about. Most Americans want uh, safe access to abortion and most Americans want uh, trans people to be able to live their lives, but uh, here, here are Democrats working on or, issues. Or, or here some are people just want fucking publicity. Yeah, and then here are Republicans saying that, like, uh, okay, now that we've been elected into office, let's work on the issues that affect people. Hunter Biden's dick pics. Like, how does that help normal people? That's just culture war BS. And and it, it, the. The GOP and the Republicans are trying, uh, are are tearing themselves apart, and they're yes. fighting each other. And there's like, you know, like uh, Mitt Romney is trying to be like a normal, and then here's all these wackadoos, you know, yelling and screaming and uh, booing during a State of the Union. And and I just think to myself, okay, we let you know, just like uh. Just like uh, Godzilla, 
just like uh, that first American Godzilla remake, the Legendary Pictures one. Yeah. Let them fight. That that's what I think of. Ken Watanabe. Every time I see the Republicans in fighting, let them fight. Yes. Because it, it, hey, uh, us liberals are in a good position. Because the Republicans are just ripping each other apart, and Trump is probably going to end up making his own party, which will split the Republicans, the conservative vote in half. And so, hey, Democrats, we're in a good spot. All you have to do is just be normal. Okay? Just be normal people. Yes. For just a little bit. And the Democrats will be fine. And then I see an article about Laguna Beach enacting a ban on balloons. Yes. You can't buy balloons in Laguna Beach. WTF, liberals. It's like you take it's like, okay, so here's the here's the the Democratic Party, and they're standing here and they go, we are going to take one dramatic step forward oh no have we alienated people we want to be centrist we don't want to upset people just to be safe let's take two steps backwards and that's the democratic party yes and it's just all you dems have to do is just be normal and not go off on your bs and and banning balloons isn't going to do anything for anyone okay you're that's that's just the sort of idiotic nonsense that the Republicans like Democrats aren't Democrats aren't coming for your gas stoves. Democrats aren't. Remember when uh, Joe Biden was banning all hamburgers and now you can't find hamburgers anywhere. Yeah. But like a balloon ban, really? You're making liberals sound as stupid as Democrats think liberals are with your balloon ban. But whatever. Uh, I have well, a great it's, idea. But it's for a politician to get themselves in the news. Yeah. You know? Basically. So yeah. sales are down on Roll Doll books. Let's edit them. And we yeah. will get in the news. Yeah. Or that jackhole from Friends who just popped up saying some shit. And Pamela Anderson. Well, let's get relevant again. Let's get the cameras on us. It doesn't matter how ridiculous what we're saying is. Yeah. We will be talked about again. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about just grabbing a headline or two. Bunny. Yes. Two weeks ago, I was on my computer. Well, now three weeks. Three weeks ago, I was on my computer. And um, I saw one of those clickbaity news articles. I use Google Chrome for my web browsing, and I only use it because there's a built-in game called Surf that I'm really addicted to. So you have stopped binging? Oh, no, I still bing things. Okay. But I use Google Chrome as my uh, web browser. So you bing things through Google Chrome. Yeah. What kind of pervert are you? One of a kind, baby. <laughs> like an onion. Onions have layers. Yeah. Okay. So uh, so I'm on Google Chrome, and Google Chrome does this thing where it's like, okay, 
I, I open up Google Chrome and here's like this bar of like, here's like the top eight websites that you go to. You can click on your email. You can click on Twitter. You can click on YouTube. You can click on Facebook. You can click on, I don't know, rawstory.com. And then on the bottom is just this massive hodgepodge, a plethora of uh, various clickbaity articles that they're trying to get me to click on. Yes. I, I saw one of these clickbaity news articles, but it's not news. It's just a listicle, you know? And, and for a while, for a while, all of the clickbaity articles on the bottom of my web browser were just uh, homeowners in Oklahoma. If you make under this much money, you can qualify for a grant. And it's like, I don't care. Yes. Biden has messed up with this gaffe. No, I don't want to hear from Fox News. Eventually, doing that enough, the articles on my web browser started getting good at knowing what I might want to click on. So it got to the point where it's like, oh, I'm not going to click on this stupid article. I'm not going to click on this stupid article. Ooh, what is this? A science fiction film that bombed in the 90s is suddenly doing wonderful numbers on Netflix? Nope, I'm not clicking you. I want to click you, but yes. I'm not clicking you. This is just clickbait. You won't believe what fans have to say about this once beloved Marvel movie. It, oh, you, you're so close to getting me. Clickbaity headlines. Yes. You're getting better. So so I, I, I get on my browser and I see one of these clickbaity news articles and it's a listicle. And here's the headline. Ten unfilmable books they should make after Dune. I did not click on that article, but and I've I seen loved, it. And I loved that headline because, yeah, everyone knows that be that before effeminate 101-pound American Amelie, Mr. Timothy Omelette, made Dune and the upcoming sequel, Dune 2 Still Duning, everyone wondered, man, if only one day someone could make a movie about dune but that'll never happen yeah oh man can you imagine someone making a uh a, a big budget hollywood dune film man that'll never occur because that book is unfilmable like how dare you sully the hard work of sting uh, Kyle McCluckin in the band Toto. How dare you, sir or yes. madam? How dare you? What other books are unfilmable that you would like to see one day get turned into a movie? And I'm sorry, it was still better than this one. I have a few movies that I hope, unfilmable books that I hope they make after Dune. Number one, American Psycho. Yeah. It wouldn't it be crazy if they made a movie about that? Man, but they never will. That book is unfilmable, like Dune. Yes. Or Fight Club, or what about... Now, this is crazy. I'm not talking about an animated movie, but what if they did a live-action Lord of the Rings? Can you believe that? Whoa. No, you couldn't Not do that. that animated crap. Whoa. No, like... Like uh, it would have which to we be all like know is the only would, Lord of the Rings that has ever been made because Tolkien is unfilmable. Yeah. It would have to be like 
three movies or some shit. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be crazy. Yeah. You know, you know what I thought was an unfilmable book for the longest time. Uh, it's really long and it's crazy. What is it called? Oh yeah, the Bible. Yeah. I thought that thing's unfilmable, but a you know who I think did it really well. Marvin Handelman and Clive Walton. They did an amazing job with their 1993 film And God Spoke. Man, what a cast. Andy Dick, Lou Ferrigno, Eve Plum, Soupy Sales as Moses. His beautiful scene with the six-pack just blew me away. I was so close to God seeing that movie. Oh, and who can forget newcomer R.C. Bates as God, too. Incredible film. I can't recommend And God Spoke Enough. I also heard there's a making of, but I haven't bothered to see it. (laughs) Uh, Bunny. Yes. I got a great idea that came to me uh, a few nights ago. I was really high. But a great idea. A great way to impress the ladies. Or the gentlemen's you know or the uh, gender rebellious out there i've got a great idea so this is what you do you go to the store uh that sells furniture the furniture store and you buy a really comfy couch okay you get that couch you bring it home and you strip it you strip it of all the fabric if it's leather or if it's pleather whatever you strip it and then you replace the cover of the couch with you go to like a Michael's or uh Joanne's fabrics, you get some Lightning McQueen cars fabric and you reupholster the couch. And you know what you got now? What do you got? You got a kachouch. A that is a great idea. I also still need about $1,500 to buy a thing I found on Walmart.com called a couch. C-O-W-C-H and it's a giant plastic cow couch. I need it. (laughs) I need a couch. Uh, Bunny! Speaking of impressing the opposite sex or the same sex, I have been workshopping some new pickup lines. Okay. Okay. I'm really... Every one of these is freaking gold. Okay? Okay. Each one of these is so good that uh, your minds are going to be blown. Okay, so here are some of my new pickup lines, okay? Damn, girl, did it hurt when you fell from heaven? Because your body is covered in a million eyes and uh... You have a sword that's on fire. Because that's what that's bi- that's a, what a biblically that, accurate angel would look like. All all across America, as this premieres on YouTube's, panties fucking dropping right there. Exactly, exactly. I'm like I'm like the Tom Jones of stoned trans Mexican women. Yes. Uh, so I told that one to Maxwell, uh, my 11 year old, and then Maxwell wrote one for me. Okay. And so Maxwell has a pickup line in this list and it goes like this. Uh, 
did it hurt when you fell from heaven? Because you must be an angel. Also, I'm allergic to wings. My uh, to feathers. My eyes are burning. Where's my EpiPen? Bunny, I need you to stick me. Stick me, Bunny. Stick me. I added the loud stick me part at the end, but Maxwell wrote that one, and that one's great. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Here's another one. Uh, wow, baby. Someone should call the cops because it should be illegal to look that good. But seriously, do not call the cops. I am brown. They will just shoot me. Yes. They will just shoot me and not release the body cam footage. Oh, wait, they turned off their camera. Oh. There was a malfunction. Okay, here's another one. I really like this one. This one's more of a concept. Uh, hey, baby, are you a banana? Because you look very appealing. Then you rip off all of her clothes and throw her on the floor, and then you slip on her. <laughs> you slip on the clothes. You, no, you see, yeah, you slip on the clothes. Yeah. And then you, then uh, if she doesn't want to be with you, you could probably just sue her. Yeah. So, you know, that's that one's sort of double-sided. Hey, baby, are we in a museum? Because you look like a work of art. Specifically, Picasso, you have both ears on one side of your face. <laughs> and I have never seen that before. No. So that's odd. This one I really like. This one I really like. <laughs> hey, baby, I seem to have lost my number and my address. I miss my mom. I need an adult. Can you find my mom? Her name's just Mommy. <laughs> no, I don't have a dad. I have an Uncle Ron. <laughs> hey, baby. Do you know CPR? Because you're taking my breath away. Not that hard, though. I do have asthma. <laughs> so, you know, don't get all full of yourself about that one. Hey, baby, are you an alien? Because you look out of this world. Also, a lot of tentacles on you. Yeah. A lot of tentacles. Eleanor just came in and sat down and heard that last one, and her mouth was agape. Really? Yes. Yeah. That's good. Uh, uh, he, this one I like. This one I like a lot. Hey, baby, if you were a Transformer, you would be Optimus Fine. No, wait, what's the name of that annoying one? Oh, yeah, Bumblebee. You're Bumblebee. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, here's another one. Uh, hey, baby. Is there an airport nearby? Or is that just my heart taking off? Also, I smell burnt toast and I taste pennies. Yep, it's a heart attack again. 
<laughs> it's not you. It's not you. But do you have a wallet? Because I need you to put it in my mouth. <laughs> I might bite my own tongue off. Hey, baby. If you were a vegetable, you would be a cutecumber. Oh. No crap. I'm allergic to cucumbers. Get me my EpiPen. I need you to stick me. That was a that was a, that was a that was a follow up. Hey, a callback. The EpiPen, yeah, it was a callback. The EpiPen is still in play. Uh, wow, nice outfit. It would look better on my floor because I would look so much better in that dress. Come on, girl. You don't have the body for that. I do. Okay. That one's that one's kind of for me. Yeah. Not that one doesn't apply to everyone. Uh hey girl. Are you a buffet? Because you look tasty enough to eat. Not in an Arnie Hammer way. To be clear. That always does have not, to be specified now. I am not a cannibal. Uh, hey, baby, are you Quentin Tarantino? Because you look problematic. And then you take off your shoes and you just shove your feet in her face. <laughs> that, one's, that one's another concept one. I have one final one, one final pickup line, but it's bad. Ten minute warning. Okay. I have one more, but it's really bad. My wife said it was problematic. So are you ready for this one, Bunny? Go for it. Okay. Hey, baby. Are you the Catholic Church? Because I'm an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> and those are my uh, new pickup lines. Feel free to use them, everybody. They were all pretty great. They were they they were all pretty great. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The panties are dropping, and also the boxer shorts. True. Yeah. And also the snake skins. Not sure why. We've got the scientists working on it. Yes, to find a, out as why. they must. Now, before we go, uh, we got about nine minutes left. Uh, there are some movies. I want to talk about some movies I've seen over the past couple of weeks. I'm going back to the movies. Plus, we're in January slash February, which is a wonderful time to go see movies because that's when the studio throws all of the things that they know will not be successful any other time of the year. So you get some really weird stuff. Yeah. Um, knock at the Cabin, an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Uh, it, it's it's actually not an original script of his. It's based on a novel called uh, The Cabin at the End of the World, I think is what it's called. But a uh, pretty good movie. I never thought I'd say this, but um, Batista is the world's greatest professional wrestling actor. Okay. Better than The Rock, better than John Cena, although he was really good in The Suicide Squad. It's, everyone's better than Hulk Hogan. It, Batista is amazing. He's a professional wrestler turned actor who can actually freaking act, and he is amazing, and he carries the whole film. 
the movie itself was okay, but uh, the twist was kind of silly. But it, it's fun. It it might not be something you rush out and see, but if it's available to you and you have nothing to do for two hours, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. Okay. Uh, Ant Man Three: The Dark World. I thought it was fine. Yeah. A lot of people out there hate it, but this is the reason why I liked it. I grew up with the comic books. I grew up reading like old Tales to Astonish and What If comic books from like the 60s and 70s. And so this just felt like one of those one-off Tales to Astonish strange like 1960s comics. And it was weird and there were, you know, strange aliens and strange creatures and and a bad yeah. guy they got to defeat. I thought it was cute. And I'm not just saying that because the foreign guy from the car skit in season one of I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson is in the movie twice. This has <laughs> nothing to do with I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. I'm interested in having you see it funny because they do MODOK in a very different way. Every picture I've seen of MODOK I fucking hate. Yeah, uh, the special effects don't look that great, but I thought story-wise, it was all right. It was pretty good. It it wasn't as bad as what people say. I also saw a British I'm, I'm animated... Just, I'm just tired of being disappointed. They've got me a few fucking times now. It was interesting to see Bill Murray in it. He's He was basically just uh, Bunny Brackenridge, but in space. Yeah. He was Space Bunny from Ed Wood, which was which was weird. And uh, one thing that really upset me, there was no Luis. No, I heard that too. Michael Pena. He was not in this. And it really upset me because I love him. Despite the fact that the actor Michael Pena is a Scientologist, which really upsets me. I love that Mexican dude in all the, in all the Ant-Man movies. And I was really upset that he wasn't in this. Um... Also, a large portion of the... Of I, I have Street. been wanting to see, like, the sidekick movie. Yeah. You know, you, I've you wanted get, to uh, see Louis Pena, Cat yeah. Denning, you know... Uh, um, um, Katie? Katie? From oh, uh, oh, Shang-Chi? Beyond the Doubt. Yeah. Aquafina. Yeah. Aquafina, Agent Wu. Yeah, you get all of Ned. that. Yeah. That would be great. I would love to see that. I also saw a British animated movie called The Amazing Maurice. I absolutely loved it. It is um, in the Discworld series of Terry Pratchett's um, I'm, I'm really love, I've loved Terry Pratchett for a very long time for, I, I'd say about 20 years, 20 plus years. I've been into Terry Pratchett and his Discworld series. And, um, he's been getting a lot of press online. A lot of people are saying, stop fanboying and fangirling up for Harry Potter. That's problematic. Harry Pratchett. That's what you read instead. There are so many more books. They're wonderful. They're not problematic. Terry Pratchett's amazing. I'll be talking about it later during Historic Approximations, but it's a kid's movie set in the Discworld universe, and it's it's really good. There's uh, Unseen University, and you see Rincewind once or twice, and you, 
I really liked it. It was a really exciting movie, and uh, it was cute. It was only in theaters for like a small heartbeat. It was like a made-for-TV movie in England that they decided to put in theaters here in America, and I believe it's already gone, but great, adorable film. If you see it like to stream or to download somewhere, you should get it, because it's, it, it's, it's a cute, cute film. Uh, and there's a fourth movie that I have seen recently that I am saving for part three. There are three parts to the podcast. Number one is our monologue, which is almost done here. And then there's historic approximations where we talk about history. And then in part three is when we finally get to this week's movie, the 1988 film, Flesh Eating Mothers, based on the um, uh, William Shakespeare play of the same name. Uh, I will be reviewing two movies in part three because... Uh, in many ways, they're basically the same film, and I'm really excited to get to that. But uh, So stick around. Spoiler alert, it's Cocaine Bear. <laughs> so, you know, one of those movies where it's like, oh, what is this movie about? It's in the title. Yes. It's in the title. It's just, it's right there. You yeah. read the title, you already know the entire film. Just sit down, eat some popcorn, smoke a joint, have fun. Yes. You know? Mm -hmm. So, Ray Liotta's the bad guy in Cocaine Bear. Yes, he is. And that shocked me to see him in this, because he's been dead for a New York minute. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, he's been dead for a while. change. He's been dead for a while. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to save that for part three. So anyway, that's it for Jeff this week. I thought that was pretty good. And my list of pickup lines, those were those were golden. Phenomenal. We're, Thank we're gonna, you. I was I on was, my way. I was yeah. like going. I was so proud of that. Those are all so good. So uh, that's it for the monologue this week. We are going to be taking a short break because we record this on Zoom. So uh, we have uh, time limits. So we are going to be taking a short break, and we will be right back with historic approximations. This week, we're doing something different. We're going to be talking about a lot of celebrities. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine celebrities. Every once in a while, a celebrity will do a horrible thing, but for whatever reason, they'll still, they won't get canceled and will still be allowed to exist amongst us normal people. Cough, cough, Mel Gibson. And so um, this is just a friendly reminder to everyone of like, uh, yeah, John Cleese isn't the best. Sean Penn did horrible things. Matt Damon has some issues, but we will be getting to that. So stick around. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this short break. Do, 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 This is the... The 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 swinging uh, music to transition. Do 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 do. Scooty pop a doo wow and break. We'll be right back. Huh, look at this. Certified frustration-free packaging. Hmm, not 
not frustrating. That's good. I guess I just pull here and uh, damn it. Damn it. Damn it. And we're back with more of the Pope on film. Honey! Yes? Why did I just open up my wife's Spotify? Hold on. I'm lost. Where am I? Oh, man. Hello? Are you there? I'm here. Okay. I'm not. Where? <laughs> what? What happened? I somehow went out of my settings and into Natasha's settings? Where where am I? Login, free credit score? I have no idea where I am. Okay. Whatever. Okay. Funny! Yes? <laughs> if you're like me, you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. I mean, who isn't? It, it's sweeping the nation. It's Swiffer wet jetting the nation. Um, but only the real followers, the, the real fans, the true hardcore fans who have been with us since the beginning, uh, only they would know 
the the two main facts about the both of us, two undeniably really real and in no way made up on the spot facts about the both of us, America's hottest will they or won't they couple, Bunny and Maylin. First and foremost, Bunny is the fact that when you're not recording this podcast, you actually host a very successful true crime podcast. Every third person in the world currently hosts a true crime podcast. So, Bunny, talk to us a little bit about your other podcast. What is your show called, and what kind of crimes do you cover? Uh, It's a weekly broadcast. I do it by myself. I do all my research. Uh, and it is true crime, and I investigate anybody who tears the tag off a mattress. Yes. Yes, about time. About time someone covered the crimes that count. Nobody takes that seriously. Tags off of mattresses, tags off of pillows. People do it all the time. And do not care who they hurt. And yeah. yes, like Jeannie said, get away with it every single fucking day. It's sad. And I am it's sick sad. of it. I am sick sick to death of it. Yeah. Well, um, uh, to be honest, I haven't listened to it yet, but uh, I'm going to be listening to it, Bunny. I'm going to be listening to it soon. Okay. Okay. Please, please trust me on that. Um, and the second fact that that is about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like doing at this part of the podcast is I like getting a bit of history, something from the history books, maybe something that you don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. And that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of Historic approximations, or as we like to call it, and that's capital H, capital A, small p. That's small p. P is very vital to the podcast. P fuels the entire show. America runs on Duncan, and the Pope on Film podcast runs on P. Boom. New tagline. Taking it. And again, to be clear, originally this segment for a long time was called Steve's Historic Approximations, or SHAP, as we like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wanted us to or not. However, a dead name is a dead name for a reason, and so we are moving on. So, what is happening with HAP this week? Well, my friends, today is a special one. I don't know where this idea came from, but here we go. For every three celebrities who are canceled, who are canceled... Oh, you libs and your cancel culture. Uh, oh, wokeism. <sighs> the far right has dubbed it wokeism because calling it normal common decency would make them to be the bad guys. Yeah. A lot of uh, far right people are like, oh, America's so woke and the liberals and the progressives and the SJWs. Oh, they're the real fascists. Like, uh, if there's one thing that fascists love, it's talking about how the people who fight fascism and just want people to be treated equally, they're the real Hitlers. So, for every three celebrities who are canceled, there's usually one celebrity whose cancellation 
it just doesn't take for whatever reason, you know? And so what we'll be doing on this historic approximations is we are here to remind people there are some stars who evaded cancellation for whatever reason, and we are here to remind you, hey, these people, they're still trash. So I've got a list. Why we're going to discuss them, okay? Are you ready? Okay, but one important person who has been canceled and were canceled to the day they died just because they put nipples on Batman... Joel Schumacher. It's so funny because they did like like the Dark Knight. And it's like, oh, you know, uh Batman needs to be gritty. Batman needs to be dark. Batman needs to be foreboding. And then they did like a Batman v Superman. Oh, maybe we need to make Batman slightly grittier. And make the film darker. Make everything happen in the rain. Or Batman needs to be dark and gritty. And then they're like, no! It needs to be grittier! Get the sparkly vampire from the teen movies! Make him Batman! Make the, the Riddler a freaking serial killer! It needs to be grittier! But in the 90s, they just went, nipples. Yeah. Nipples. Give him nipples. Nipples in a big codpiece. That's our Batman. Uh-huh. Give him a give him a, a an American Express card. Yes. Harvey! I'm Batman. So, um yeah, Joel Sh Joel Schumacher, that's his name? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. Uh, I appreciate a hero. He's a hero. I That's the word you're looking for. Hero. I appreciate what he was trying to do because uh, uh, Tim Burton really wasn't a fan of comic books, so he said, I'm going to make Batman into a Tim Burton-y film, and ooh, here are the circus gang, and ooh, top hats, and they've got exploding juggling balls, and Woohoohoo, everything's silly and dark and foreboding. And then they took it away from Tim Burton and said, Joel Schumacher, you have Batman. What are you going to do with it? And he said, I don't know Batman. I never read the comic books. I don't know anything about it. I did see a lot of Adam West. We're making Batman as silly as freaking possible. And like, I, I, I get that, you know? And I think that's kind of cute and kind of sweet. And I love Jim Carrey as the Riddler. He's my Riddler. <laughs> my my high schooler, his Riddler is Paul Dano. Fine. My Riddler is hilarious, though. My Riddler is super funny. Yeah. I still think that my preferred method of suicide is telling Tommy Lee Jones that he overacted in Batman. Yes. That would be my preferred method of suicide. Either that, or what was that movie, Secret Agent 69? What was that, Secret Agent? Cody with, Banks? With the woman and she... Oh, yeah. Chesty Morgan. Chesty Morgan, yeah. So those are my two methods of, of suicide, being Chesty Morgan or uh, telling Tommy Lee Jones he overacted with Jim Carrey. So... 
I've got a list of celebrities who haven't been canceled, but you should still uh, consider staying away from them. Of course, number one on the list is uh, uh, Just Kidding Rowling. JK. Yes. Rowling. I read somewhere online, I don't remember where I read this, but um, whoever wrote this, chef's kiss, Italian chef's kiss. I read somewhere that someone said that before J.K. Rowling became successful, her persona was built entirely on the idea of before they made movies, before she became a blockbuster uh, bestseller, before she became super rich, um, her publishers, her manager, they, they built her name on being a poor single mother. A single parent with no, without a yeah. dime to her name. An underdog fighting against the rich 1%. Writing this, this uh, wizarding book for children, hoping that one day it could be a success. That was J.K. Rowling, a, a, a proud feminist fighting against the system. She was poor, and she did what she had to. And buy her book, because she is a hero. But what happens when that underdog becomes literally the rich 1%? Yeah. What happens when that uh, poor single mother becomes literally a billionaire? Well, what happens is she still needs to find a way to make herself out to be the victim in fighting a group. So she just picked uh, uh, the group that is the smallest and rarest and, and usually doesn't fight back. Yeah. So now here she is just literally out here making trans people's lives dangerous. Yeah. She is a hateful bigot who can't take criticism. It's disgusting how many fans she still has. I get it, people. Uh, the wizard books were popular when you were growing up. Oh, you you aged along with the Harry Potter movies, and by the time they got to the last one, oh, the kids were older, and so were you. And the films matured with you. I get it. I get it. But now the author is a rich billionaire who literally wants me dead and my children taken away from me. I'm sorry. Read Terry Pratchett instead. Yeah. He actually is his his wizard books are funny and well written and they're for adults and they don't have really uh anti-semitic caricatures in them. I read I read also somewhere online that there was some uh online game where oh you you go into these mines and you're killing all of these trolls but Terry Pratchett specifically went out and created a mod for this game where you don't have to kill the trolls and you can study them. And it's like that alone. Good for you, Terry Pratchett. He's a British yeah. author. He has written a bajillion books in the Discworld series. You don't even have to read them in order. Just pick one. My favorite is uh, uh, Mort, uh, Soul Music, The Hogfather, Moving Pictures. The first one, The Color, The Color of Magic. The Amazing Maurice and His Educated Rodents, uh, the, all the Night Watch books. I've started getting into the uh, the Granny Og, the the witches books. 
Um, they're all really good. Some of them have been made into movies that you can find online or even on YouTube. Some of them have been made into animated miniseries. His books are amazing. Read those instead of J.K. Rowling. Yeah. She sucks. Just period. She wants me to die. Yeah. And so maybe don't. I'm sorry. I know you just want to throw all of your money at a wizard series from when you were kids, but she wants me to die. Yeah. So how about you don't give her any money anymore? Okay? Please? My favorite part is when she met Graininged herself. She finished writing the wizard books and she said, I can do it again. I had one big hit. I can write. I can have another big hit. So she started writing mystery books under a pen name. Oh, yeah. I am such a good writer that people are going to love these mystery books, even though they're not. I even though I haven't uh, put my name on them. I uh, let me get a fake name, Robert Galbraith. Sure, whatever. People are going to love these Robert Galbraith books, and Robert Galbraith is going to be such a massive hit uh, author. And then I'll come out and say, ha-ha, surprise, it's me, J.K. Rowling. People are going to love these books. And what? No one's buying them? Okay. Um. Hey, everybody. J.K. Rowling wrote them. What? I can't believe that got leaked. That, that's my favorite part, when she leaked the fact that she was writing these books under a pseudonym. Because yeah. no one was buying them, because no one cared. In her last mystery book, it's all about this uh, trans killer who's preying on women. And yeah, she's garbage. Please stay away from J.K. Rowling. There you go. Yeah. Please stay away from her. She, she wants to kill me. Speaking of, our next person on the list, sadly, is John Cleese. Wait, we're doing a list? This is a hap. I have a list of people and the historic things that they did Okay. that caused them to be garbage. Yes. Like, like the last one on the list is Sean Penn. I think a lot but of people but, don't know the history of Sean Penn. But neither of these people are canceled. No, but they should be. Okay. It is shocking that J.K. Rowling is still making billions of dollars every year. When she wants me to die. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, this is a, a historic approximations where we talk about the history of these celebrities who were not canceled and why they should be. John Cleese. Monty Python alum John Cleese. We get it. You liked Monty Python back in the day, probably when you were growing up because you were a weirdo. I was too. But maybe go back and rewatch. The Monty Python shows pay good attention to uh, the black face, the red face, the yellow face, the racism. Uh, listen to the Monty Python song "Never Be Rude to an Arab," oh, and the part yeah. with the N word where they just straight up use the N word. Hey, Monty Python, maybe don't use the N word. And uh, oh, what about uh, um, Raymond Luxury Yatched? It's spelt Raymond Luxury Yatched, but it's pronounced Throat Wobbler Mangrove. And he's wearing a big fake styrofoam nose. And the interviewer says, you're a very silly man and I don't want to interview you. And uh, Throat Wobbler Mangrove says, ah, 
anti-Semitism. Get it? Because he has a huge hook nose. Yeah. There are some problems with Monty, with 1960s Monty Python. And then, when you're done with all the Monty Python, go back and watch John Cleese's Faulty Towers. I love British shows because it's like, oh, this show is one of the greatest sitcoms of British history. It lasted for 10 years, two seasons, six episodes. You know? British yeah. shows do that. So, like, Faulty Towers, I think, was on for two seasons, and I think there was 10, maybe 20 episodes, and that's it. Is that it? It's something... I, I don't think there are more than 20 episodes. I am pretty certain about that. But a lot of British shows are like that. One of my favorite shows is... I never, no I never liked it, so I've only seen, like, an episode here or there, and... I, 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 I know enough to know that Manuel is the butt of all the jokes. Yes, yes. It, it, Faulty Towers, the entirety of, the, of, of most of the episodes, the humor just comes from the fact that huh, Manuel doesn't speak English. Can you imagine these stupid foreigners? So it should be no surprise that John Cleese is now defending J.K. Rowling and fighting back against cancel culture because, oh... Comedians just can't make jokes anymore. It, but I understand J I understand John Cleese, because if I had that no, much racist you can, comedy... No, you can make jokes. I am not obligated to find your jokes fucking funny. Yeah. Why am yeah. I obligated to find your goddamn joke funny? Yeah. Comedians can't make jokes anymore. Yeah, John Cleese, if I had that much blackface in my past, I might be against cancel culture as well. But he's now working on a new cancel culture comedy talk show with a British conservative named Andrew Doyle, and it will air on the far right-wing British news outlet GB News. So yeah, John Cleese, over the past couple of years, has slowly but surely done a full Joe Rogan. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but he's still out there making movies, being interviewed, you know, being on talk shows. And also in 2009, he went on this rant complaining about how there are so many foreigners in England that it's ruining it. Oh, I don't recognize England anymore because of all the foreigners. Like, okay, John Cleese, I get it. You were young and rebellious and a member of the cancel culture, but now you're like in your 60s and 70s and 80s and you're against foreigners. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I feel like the same thing is happening right now with Saturday Night Live. But that's beside the point. Number three, Roger Waters. Roger Waters. Always controversial Roger Waters. What did he do this time? The conceited man who took Pink Floyd over from the brilliant mind of Sid Barrett. I have really gotten into Sid Barrett's music lately. I love Gigolo Aunt. Okay, so um, he's a Putin-loving anti-Semite and a racist. Here's, here's also a good way to describe Roger Waters. Uh, a line from Ed Wood. What does ostentatious mean? Uh, I, I, I applaud Roger Waters for being a trans ally, but it's always strange to me when people are selectively bigoted. 
But he, but as far as him being anti-Semitic or not, that's something we're going to have to take a closer look at. Because you know here in America that if you take an anti-Israel stance, that's considered anti-Semitism, and yeah. it's fucking not. Yeah. It's just it's just weird. It's it's weird that there's like selective anger and selective hatred and selective bigotry that's out there. And that and some people are like, oh, black lives matter. Hate gays, though, that would that's always weird to me, you know? Yeah, that's always odd. Like a lot of people who attack me online for being trans um, have I stand with Ukraine on their bios. Yeah, I always think that that's odd. And it's like, oh, you believe that black lives matter and you stand with Ukraine and also you want me to die. Interesting. Okay. DJ non sequitur over here. No, thank you. His bigotry has ruined the album The Wall for me now. Now that I know that he's like a Putin loving anti-Semitic and a racist and conceited and all of these things. Now, I, for the longest time, The Wall was the album that I went to when I was super depressed. And and I was like, I wanted to wall myself up from the outside world. I would listen to the wall. But now I listen to it and it just sounds like a guy who needs therapy complaining about how difficult it is to be a rock star. <laughs> it's like, man, oh, this sucks. And I want to take this time to say that this has nothing to do with my older brother. Okay. I have an older brother named Joe. He is a super huge Roger Waters fan. I'm not. Hooping on Roger Waters just because my brother is a fan. My brother and I had a sibling rivalry growing up, and it, it continued until we got older, and then eventually I moved on, but my brother is still out there trying to be better than me when I'm just out here trying to live my best life as my authentic self. Like, I worked on a rubber band ball for a long time, and I was really proud of it, and then suddenly my brother is on social media. Look, I made I'm this is my rubber band ball. I've been working on it for the last three months, and my goal is to make it bigger than my uh siblings rubber band ball. And it's like, why are you coming after me? Like I remember uh uh last year talking about the race that I was going to do and how nervous I am, and my brother got on my social media. Don't worry about it. I did a race that was exactly that length earlier, and I uh, did it in this time, which is better than yours, and I am a smoker, and I have bad knees, so I wouldn't worry about it. And it's like, okay, it sounds like you're just going out of your way to make sure that I know that you did better than me in this race, and it's the sibling. I wouldn't be surprised if tomorrow my brother came out and said, after much soul-searching, I have come to the realization that I am double trans. (laughs) <laughs> which is twice as many trans as uh, my sibling. Oh, that's cool. he would he would probably call me Steve to be honest. That's, but that's that's good. Well, first off, I have been waiting for something like that from Joe. I have. Yeah, yeah. And I've said it before. I pr- I'm pretty sure. I think I'm on record for that. But yeah. I'm 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 curious about this double trans idea that you had. Yeah, I mean, because it kind of implies to me that he has transitioned and then transitioned back again. I mean, yeah, I figured that he would come out and say that he was double trans, that he identifies as a trans woman who identifies as a trans man. Get it? It's a joke. Now I don't have to change who I am. Yes, it it, sounds like a my brother joke. It has a quality similar to the fastest gunfighter. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I remember, I remember one of the last times that we hung out and uh, my brother's like, hey, I figured out what's wrong with me. I have OCD. And it's like, okay, but um, I don't think you do. I think you're bipolar because I'm bipolar. And bipolar is like a genetic thing. And our father was certainly, most certainly bipolar. So I think you're bipolar too. No, I have OCD. I have a thing with numbers. And then like six months later, he comes out on social media. I have an announcement to make. I now realize that I suffer from bipolar disorder. And it's like, okay, yeah, I thought it was odd that I had this one thing to myself. So it's not surprising that my older brother has come to take it. So. Okay. But I'm just trying to live my life. You know? Just trying to yeah. live my life. But Roger Water sucks. It has nothing to do with my brother. Sharon Osborne. Sharon Osborne. She has been accused by a number of former colleagues and co-workers of numerous racist and homophobic slurs. And I love the idea that Ozzy's wife is the controversial one. Yes. And Ozzy's just at home with a cup of tea, you know, and a crumpet reading the paper. <laughs> and Sharon comes into the house and Ozzy goes, mm, what happened to you today, love? I got fired again. Oh, I told you. it's it, You're so controversial. Why don't you just sit down and eat a bat and relax? I love that. I love that idea. That, like, Ozzy Osbourne, you'll hear his music playing in in freaking Macy's. Yeah. But Sharon is the controversial one. Wonderful. I was at the mall, because there's a mall in my town. That's how, that's how backwards Oklahoma is. We still have successful malls. I was at the mall, and on the radio, they were playing... I want to be sedated by the Ramones. Yeah. And I just thought, if Joey Ramone were alive, he would kill himself. Seeing teeny boppers outside of the shoe store, eating a hot dog on a stick and listening to the Ramones while wondering if they should go to Hot Topic or not. And now Ozzy, has, Ozzy Osbourne's just fine. He's, he's no longer controversial. It's his wife that's the problem. I love that. I love that. Cancel Sharon. We have, we have two malls. I don't know if they're successful. I'm not quite sure where they are. I know where one of them is. Not so sure about the other one. Uh, I have been here since 1997. I've been in one of them maybe twice. I used to go to the movies a lot, but then the movie theater and the mall closed down, and I'm still really upset about that, but... Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, you notice how the first four people on my list of people, of famous people who, uh, who avoided being canceled, but should probably definitely be canceled. Notice how the first four are all British. Yes. I know, Bunny, that you worry about me. I am a trans woman and i live in the midwest in the bible belt in the small racist town i understand that you're worried about me but as dangerous as my daily life is it is three times as worse in england right now is it it is bad for trans people and for gay people it's even worse and 
whenever someone attacks me online, someone attacks me on Twitter, someone's giving me death threats on Instagram, yeah, okay, 75% chance uh, you waited in line for 17 days to see a queen's corpse. Yeah. So, make of that what you will. Ben well, freaking but Stein! But it's but it's because the the people who are in power do not are afraid of their own masculinity. Yeah. White men rule this world. White men are terrified. Ten minute warning. That okay. maybe they're not as manly as they think they are. Yeah. So you know, okay. Because as always. You know, back in my day, it was a more homosexual argument, and lesbians, not so much heat. They would get heat, but not so much. Trans men, not so much heat as trans women. Elliot Page, certainly, you know. I had a wonderful conversation with of an outliner. Yeah. I had a wonderful conversation with my uh, 11-year-old yesterday, or was it this morning? I told him I was jealous of his childhood because when I was young, you were straight or you were gay. There was also bi, which was equally as shameful, and that was it. Yeah. There were trans people, but but they weren't as recognized and as accepted, so they hid and, and it, they struggled. But my son is growing up in in a slowly but surely more liberal world where he can be a a, a trans woman. He can be non-binary. He can be uh, asexual, non-romantic, aromantic, gender fluid. He has so many options of who he can be, and I'm jealous of that. Yeah. You know, does that make sense? Okay, yeah. I have five. I have five more celebrities left, so I'm gonna rip through it because we have eight minutes left. Ben Stein. Yes. Before becoming the droll teacher from Ferris Bueller, before he started in his own Comedy Central game show, which I remember loving. Yeah. He was Nixon's speechwriter, which already that's a big red flag. But he left politics and became a successful actor and TV personality. But recently, his droll shtick wasn't enough to keep him rolling in cash. So he has gone full right wing. He called Obama more racist than all the other previous presidents, including the ones who owed people. Yes. He has said some really racist. He had some really racist stuff to say about Michael Brown's death at the hands of cops. And he recently posted a video where he lamented syrup, how he missed having a large African-American woman on his syrup container. But thanks to the woke liberal mob. Like, okay, Ben Stein, you can shut up. Yeah. You can shut right up. Um, uh, because you were popular, now you're not popular anymore, and you've gone full right wing. Speaking of, here's a late edition. Dilbert. Dilbert, oh God. Cartoonist oh, Scott no, Adams, Adams blocked Scott Adams me has long been on ago. Real forever. Yeah, 
Uh, uh, Scott Adams, the cartoonist who created Dilbert, he blocked me forever ago on Twitter. I think because he, um, he's, he's one of those celebrities where it's like, I'm super successful. Oh, wait, I'm less successful. Oh, wait, my wife left me. Well, guess I'm becoming a right winger. And so <laughs> he went far right. And during the pandemic, he was like an anti-masker, anti-vaxxer. COVID is fake, like like nonsense, conspiracy theory, QAnon, pro-Trump nonsense. And I started making fun of him, so he blocked me on Twitter. Um, a few days ago, he, he went on a rant where he urged white people to avoid living near blacks because all black people are a hate group. Okay. The guy who made freaking Dilbert. And now his strip is being dropped uh, left and right by major newspapers and, and stuff oh, like good. that. This isn't surprising. Who can, if there's one thing people think about, they think about the bad boys of rock and roll and the bad boys of comic strips. Uh, who can, who can forget when, um, uh, the creator of Hagar the Horrible destroyed his hotel room. Yeah. Jim Davis, the creator of Garfield, he actually did uh, something with a uh, group, an underage groupie and two sharks. Which was worse than what Led Zeppelin did. Yes. The bad boy's a cartoonist. You know? <laughs> so everyone knows how crazy those cartoonists can be. Yeah. Matt Damon. There's a lot to unpack Matt here. Matt Damon, okay. From the horrible... Uh, he had some horrible things to say in 2018 during the Me Too movement. And, like, the Me Too movement was happening, and he came out and he said, like, hey, uh, yeah, there are some bad people in Hollywood, and they're, like, rapists, and they're uh, perverts. But I don't think that us men should be lumped in with those people just because we smack a woman on the butt or think they're pretty. And it's like, okay, Matt Damon, you need to shut your mouth right now. Yeah. Because you're coming dangerously close to a line. Uh, <laughs> then he, he also starred in the 2016 film The Great Wall, which is real whitewashing at its finest. It's a Chinese film about, the, about how Matt Damon is a white man who built The Great Wall of China. Oh, uh, okay. And uh, the final one, this one pisses me off so much. In an interview, he said that his daughter sat him down and talked to him and schooled him on how the F-slur is actually offensive. And now he doesn't use the F-slur anymore. But he didn't do that interview in 1997 no. or 2002 or 2015. That interview was from 2021. Yeah. You stop calling people an F in 2021? An F-A asterisk? An F asterisk G? You stop calling people that in 2021? Damn, bro! Bad Matt Damon! <laughs> Shazam! His name is Zachary Levi. I'm just calling him Shazam. In the beginning of 2023, amidst the promotion of Shazam 2, the film star Zachary Levi tweeted some anti-vax stuff. And man, I was excited for Shazam 2. Uh, but nope, not going to watch it now. 
Thanks, Chuck. He said now he Shazam, said what? Now Shazam guy joins so many other celebrities who have refused the COVID vaccine. Big time celebrities, too. Chet Hanks. What? Yeah. Rob Schneider. Man, will his star ever stop rising? Evangeline Lilly, which pisses me off because I just saw Ant-Man. Yeah. And and of course, uh, the two biggest names in the celebrity anti-vax movement, Christy Alley and Olivia Newton-John. Those two are surprising because they're both the pinnacle of health. <laughs> I do not feel ashamed for that joke at all. <laughs> Period. I feel no shame for that joke. And finally, Sean Penn. Nowadays, when you see Sean Penn, he's righteously out there in ground zero helping marginalized groups, poor people, minorities, homeless people. It's not surprising to see him at ground zero of whatever the latest American tragedy is. And he's there on the ground floor helping people out. I vividly remember a picture of him in Rolling Stone magazine in a small canoe during Hurricane Katrina yeah. helping people. And he had like a red solo cup, which he was using to get water out of his boat. And I just remembered that vividly in my head that Matt Sean Penn and his red solo cup are here to <laughs> save the day. He's dedicated his life to helping people. And there's a reason why I like to preface this by saying that Sean Penn and Madonna have recanted their stories. And now and they now deny that all of this happened. But um, uh. Just go ahead and Google or Bing or ask Jeeves or Alta Vista. Uh, Sean Penn, Madonna, baseball bat. And you can read that for yourself. Yeah. And read about the police who were there and saw Madonna's bloody face and, and saw how beaten up she was. And you can also take some time to go on uh, Wikipedia, the free online encyclopedia that anyone can edit and learn about the numerous other times that Sean Penn has assaulted people. He has assaulted a lot of people. And, you know, they recanted the story about what happened with Madonna. But, hey, maybe we shouldn't uh, let Sean Penn be in oh, front he of was, anymore. He was famous for beating up photographers. I mean, he was. That he was, was a but nowadays you don't hear anything the about that. Time. Yeah. So that's it for sh for Hap this week. Historic approximations. These celebrities... Go ahead, go ahead, if you want to wrap it up. Yeah, these celebrities, close. stay away from them.
Are you a woman in the Utah area looking for ugly clothing? Then stop on down to the Black Dress Warehouse. We are Utah's leading supplier of black or dark gray dresses. Do you want to look like a housewife? Do you want to look like a woman who is suffering depression or is possibly mourning the loss of a, of a loved one? Or perhaps you're a woman being haunted by the grim specter of death. If you are, then come on down to Black Dress Warehouse. We sell black dresses and that's it. Off of Route 9 and Main Street, Black Dress Warehouse. A montage. We're cleaning up the streets. We're getting people with wife beaters, asking them questions in an alleyway. I'm wearing a peach colored suit, and everything's cool. It's a montage. A disco montage. Is that a jeepney? That's weird. It's a montage. Here's my business card. It's a montage. A disco montage. We are cleaning up the streets. We're whacking the attack. And sometimes we're attacking the whack. And sometimes it's a whack attack. Because we don't have a coherent catchphrase yet for what we are doing. Maybe we should get some better publicity. Maybe hire somebody to do this stuff. To figure out what we should call this. Maybe we can do that in our montage. Kung Fu montage. We're talking to drunk people. That might... I think that's MC Hammer now. MC Hammer's drunk. He is drunk in a hallway. We're walking past pawn shops. In our montage. A Kung Fu montage. Disco Godfather. And a guy with an afro. A really impressive afro in a montage walking down to something not really steps but maybe that is a thing and this guy's got a briefcase and he's got his at a pipe oh, I don't know what he's doing he's signing a piece of paper in a montage Smokey the Bear montage they are walking down the streets with some fine ladies in a montage beating up random people that they see on the street got real big glasses see somebody beating up people doing real bad kung fu getting some guy grabbing him by the sweater 
Slapping him across the face, his sweaty face in a montage. I've got a dog montage. A one, two, three, four. Huh, look at this. Certified frustration-free packaging. Hmm, not, not frustrating, that's good. I guess I just pull here and, uh, damn it. Damn it. Damn it. These are some of my favorite worst posts from the last few weeks on the Oklahoma City Craigslist page. This one is called Prince Media Pandering. And it says, Prince, you would have thought he was the president 
the way the media carries on about this non-talented transvestite! Exclamation point. So, transvestite! Every channel went on and on and still are, I say good riddance. Typical left-wing, pandering media, always pushing their cause. Hell, when Elton John dies, they will probably declare a national holiday for him. They should, because Elton John is a treasure, number one. Uh, number two, mm, you need to check yourself. And third, it's not media pandering. Apparently, it's a pandering media. It's, it's a media that's run by pandas. It's a pandering media. I like that. You don't have to imagine that we're back. Because we are. Welcome to a typical American town with good solid values. The kids go to school. The fathers have good jobs. Anybody home? Billy! And the mothers eat their children. Eating mothers. My mother ate my baby brother. My mother ate my father. She's never done anything like this before. See what happens when a strange virus is covered up by the authorities. There's an epidemic out there. Mothers are eating their children. And sends the housewives into a flesh-eating frenzy. This chick's got a cannibal for a month. And her mother's friends, man, it is all of them. Don't talk about my mother that way. You'd think in the future they would show some good greetings. Oh, mother! Luckily, the kids realize mom is preparing them for dinner and take matters into their own hands. You know, my mother told me never to deck a lady, but she didn't say shit about a cannibal.
kid and a flute and they're smoking weed. And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. It's time, Bunny! It's time. It's time. Yes, Bunny, my friend who is more than brother to me. I embrace thee. See, if you are a member of our Facebook group, you get that reference. So go join our Facebook group because we post the spiciest memes. Yes, we do. Hot uh, off the yes. presses. Yes, Bunny, my friend, it is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film Podcast to whip and or nay-nay our way into the third and final part of our big shoe. And it is said third act, wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our exclusive deluxe hand-carved, hand-painted, and available only for a limited time. So call now, movie of the week. And this week, we watch one of those movies where the title just Says it all. The 1908, the uh, obscure, would you call this obscure? I would call this obscure. I would call this obscure. The obscure, low-budget 80s horror film, Flesh-Eating Mothers, based on the William Shakespeare play of the same name. And I'd like to start off the discussion of Flesh-Eating Mothers (laughs) by saying this. There's a lot of horror movies that came out in the 80s. Yes. The 80s were a prime time for horror movies. But I have I have I have never seen one like Flesh Eating Mothers that so clearly, so loudly screams a Tubi TV exclusive. <laughs> yes. Because uh, Flesh Eating Mothers is available to download right now on archive.org or you can watch it for free on YouTube. Or, yeah, you could go to Tubi. This movie's on Tubi. Because, of course, it is. This is a Tubi film. Yes. Ah, oh, my favorite line is that one that the one guy says um, in the preview that you just ran uh, yeah. during the break. Uh, my parents told me to never hit a woman. But they said they didn't say anything about a cannibal. And then he punches the mom in the face. Yeah. Love that scene. Love that so much. There is a sound in this that sounds like a pig squealing. And they play it over and over again during all of the death parts. And it drove me insane. <laughs> it drove me straight up insane especially at the end when the when the like crooked cop finally gets his comeuppance and they're just playing it constantly and i wanted to throw myself out of a window but um this is just one of those movies where it's like this movie is stupid this movie is dumb this movie is so badly made but next weekend, if I'm high and I'm just hanging out and I have nothing to do, I might put on Flesh Eating Mothers. Yeah. You know, it's one of those movies that's just so stupid that you can just, just you want something on in the background, put on Flesh Eating Mothers. I, I don't know. know. I, I found it, I found it overall horrible, horrible. with some bright spots. Movie. Yeah. 
It's a horrible film. Okay, so the like uh See right okay, I, right off the bat. Right off the bat. The trailer yeah. looked interesting. Okay? The yep. trailer looked interesting. And then starting the movie like the opening credits I was really impressed with. I was like, damn, this is a really inventive, low-budget way of doing an empty uh, opening s- credit sequence. With, like, Just the, a, the, the, the kids' drawings and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice opening. And then we get to the first shot, and I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> The the, the first for the... shot, a guy is running through the woods in the winter. And he's running, he's running. Yeah, he's running normally, and then he's suddenly not making any noise. He's just running, and then suddenly his arm is just off. His arm's just gone, and then he starts screaming. Yeah, and it's like, exactly like, like we don't when see the, the when, arm when Wiley Coyote is walking in in the air and then he looks down yes and that's when he falls that like his arm is missing and he's like i gotta get out of here i gotta get out of here wait i'm missing an arm Ah!" (laughs) i love that and there's no yeah yeah we don't know when he lost his arm you know we did not see the arm come off we did not see the arm all we saw is this guy is missing an arm. Well, I assume, and then he shoots he, his wife. I assumed that that guy lost an arm because he was bedding in a hotel with Quentin Tarantino that his lucky Zippo would light ten times. Yes, yes, that's usually how people lose body parts. Yes, but why was there so much snow in Vegas? That's an it, well, you know, it's been snowing at my parents' house in in uh, Arizona, in the outskirts of Phoenix. They yeah. got snow, a decent amount of snow. It's crazy. California's getting a ton of snow right now. It's weird. <laughs> That's the thing about flesh eating mothers, man. We're not in the middle of one apocalypse, one possible apocalyptic doomsday scenario. We're in the middle of like ten. Yes possible apocalyptic doomsday scenarios and so i'm sorry i don't want to go see a three and a half hour drama about the plight of these of of like how effed up this one situation is no just give me flesh-eating mothers man every character was horrible down to this one guy had a yellow hoodie and he looked exactly like porn actor John Leslie. Yes. And yes. it was weird because I think he was supposed to be a high schooler, but he was clearly like a 32-year-old. Like, what high school are you going to? Rydell High from Greece? Yes. Where everyone's a 32-year-old high school senior. But I kept seeing a John Leslie. And he was definitely a few decades older than some of the other people who might have actually been teenagers or at least in their 20s. Yeah. But yeah, that, this is a horrible acting. Horrible actors. Yes. The I makeup effects, 
the makeup effects overall and some of the effects in the movie I really kind of liked. And when we when the when the flesh eating mothers actually like started coming into their own they were kind of humorous. When the flesh eating mothers start <sighs> their faces started changing what it reminded me of was Blackula. Yeah. Yeah, where it's like, how can we make this person into a vampire? And also, we have no budget. Paint their face gray. You have a gray face now. Go and run, and we'll shoot you in slow motion. There you go. Blackula. Oh, so, no. What about the the Joker prosthetics they had? I loved that. I loved that. Okay, okay, so um, before we dive deep into the intense psychological and emotional complexities of the Academy Award-winning drama that is the 1988 film Flesh-Eating Mothers, based on, of course, uh, the memoirs of the Dalai Lama, um, as I said earlier in the show, I've been watching a lot of movies in theaters. I it, At the end of 2018, my wife got me the AMC A-list membership and so for 25 dollars a month for 20 dollars for 25 dollars a month i get three free movie tickets a week and so throughout the for the end of 2018 and all of 2019 and 2020 until the pandemic happened i religiously went to go see three movies every single solitary week and i saw everything and then the pandemic happened and movie theaters closed and now it's 2022, 2023, and I'm starting to go back into theaters, but I'm not going to see everything. Yeah. I don't want to see Avatar. So I haven't, and I'm not. I was yeah. really excited to see Shazam 2, and then the star Zachary Levi became like an anti-vaxxer. I'm not going to go see Shazam 2. I want to see movies that are entertaining to me. Flesh-eating mothers is dumb, but it's entertaining, and I'd rather see that than watch some Oscar bait right now. Yeah. I'm sure that All Quiet on the Western Front is brilliant again, but if my choice is between um, All, Quiet, All Quiet on the Western Front and um, Knock at the Cabin, I might see Knock at the Cabin again. Seriously, Batista's a good actor. Yeah. Yeah, he is, he is a good actor. I loved him in Knock at the Cabin. So, okay. Um, I recently saw a movie in theaters. It just came out, and I figured I would save my review of this brand new movie until the end of the show, because let's just say there's more than a bit of overlap. The movie I'm talking about is Cocaine Bear. Okay. So let me tell you the plot of Cocaine Bear. It's all in the freaking title. Mm -hmm. A bear does cocaine. Period. That's it. You don't. It, it, I saw some. I saw some popular TikTok about it. You don't have to read a bunch of comic books. You don't have to read the book before. You don't have to familiarize yourself with all of these things. No, the, the entirety of the plot is in the title. It, a bear did cocaine. Period. Go have fun. Sit down. Have some popcorn. It's stupid. It's dumb. You'll have fun. <laughs> uh, it, 
it it feels in a way like a classier, more Hollywood Sharknado. Yeah. Where it's like you see the first Sharknado film and it's like, oh, a tornado filled with sharks. This is going to be stupid. I'll sit and watch this. It's kind of the same thing except more well done. A bear did cocaine. It's based on a true story. Yeah. In the 80s, it reminds me of Tom Cruise's film American Made which I've seen two times, and I hate Tom Cruise, but it's a really good movie about this uh, uh, small-time pilot who becomes a drug runner uh, for whatever the big crime family was in Mexico at the time in, like, the 80s. Uh, and then he ends up smuggling weapons to, like, the to Nicaragua. So, so in, in, that Tom, in that Tom Cruise movie... That sounds like he's Blow. Yeah, kind of. It, it, he's a pilot. He flies to Mexico. He picks up the drugs. And then he flies to America and takes the drugs there. But he's like in a small Cessna. So as long as he's very close to the ground, he won't get picked up by the FAA. So he drives to some forest or some woods or some swampy marshland. And he throws the drugs out of the plane. And then the drug dealers will just find where the drugs landed and pick up the drugs and then distribute them. And that's how they did drugs in like the 70s and 80s how they got drugs into america so maxwell what is this Ooh, uh there you go that's awesome oh i bet that's gonna look sweet at night yeah i when you're going to bed that's gonna look awesome my light turned it on it looks amazing cool high five thank you so um Basically, uh, in Cocaine Bear, that's happening. And it actually happened in, in, the, in the 80s. These drug dealers flew into uh, the woods and they dumped some cocaine. But before the drug dealers could get to the cocaine, it was eaten by a bear. But in the true story, the bear lived for about, I don't know, five 10, 15 minutes before he had a heart attack. He didn't kill anyone. He didn't go on a killing spree. But while talking about it on Reddit, some Redditor said, even though bears are tame, for about 10 minutes before that bear had a heart attack, I bet that bear was the most dangerous animal on the planet Earth. And so that's basically the basis of cocaine bear. Bear does cocaine. He goes on a murder spree. Um, the cast is phenomenal. Carrie Russell is in it. And this is the first time that I ever found myself going, look at you, Felicity. Good for you. Good, good for you. Still making movies. Good for Felicity. Ice Cube's son, O'Shea Jackson Jr., is great in this. Uh, what's his name? Han Solo's in it. From Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, that's okay. that Han Solo, the one from um, Hail Caesar. Would that it were so simple. <clears throat> that guy, he he's in it. He's great in it. Margot Martindale is in Cocaine Bear, and I love actress Margot Martindale. Is she daughter to Wink? I think she might be. She plays herself in BoJack Horseman. She was Dewey Cox's mom. Okay. Uh, I fell in love with her in the show The Riches. 
Eddie Izzard and Minnie Driver are con artists who accidentally get into an accident with a rich family who dies. So they hide the body and decide to um, pretend to be this rich family. The American dream. We're going to steal it. So Margot Martindale was like the wacky neighbor. She was great in that. And she's great in this. Uh, one of the guys from Modern Family is in Cocaine Bear. And it was really nice to see him get killed. Because okay. I never liked Modern Family. And freaking Ray Liotta! Rest in peace! Yeah. This was his last film. Ray Liotta! Academy Award nominee, Academy Award winner, a legendary actor. And what was his last film? Freaking Cocaine Bear. And this is how the Mandela effect happens. Okay? Because I, I knew Ray years Liotta from died, now, but once I saw him on screen, I was like, wait, he's dead, right? Yeah. Right? I was so confused, like, that's Ray Liotta. I swear he's been dead for a couple of years. Why is he on this screen? That is exactly how the Mandela effect happened. Yes. Because I had a hard time remembering when he died because he's just there. He, he, he's starring in this movie. He does a great job. So, so years from now, night. they're going to swear that, you know, Sinbad played a genie. <clears throat> yeah. So I saw Cocaine Bear on opening night uh, this weekend. I don't like going to movies on opening night, but Cocaine Bear felt like one of those films where you need an audience. And I really liked that the the, the theater was like 80% full, and I'm glad I went. Uh, it gave me Snakes on a Plane vibes. Yeah. My wife and I went to go see Snakes on a Plane on opening day, and there were all these young people, and they were super excited. And everyone in the theater was talking to each other. One, like, high school kid was giving out toy snakes to everyone in the audience. He didn't work for the theater. He was just excited about this weird uh, film that became a bizarre meme. And he was just giving out snakes to people. And then when, you, when a snake first killed someone, someone got a bunch of toy snakes and threw them through the theater. <laughs> there, were, there were fake snakes flying through the theater. And it was just fun and dumb and stupid and that's the vibe that i got and then right before the movie started an entire sports team came and sat next to me they were uh college kids i don't know what sport they played but they were from the nearby baptist university they were all like teenagers and 20 some early like they were all 18 19 20 year olds they were buff. They had no necks. They were douchebags. They were yelling and screaming the entire time. But it, it, at first, I'm like, oh, man, I hope I pass. I hope I pass. I hope I pass. I hope I pass for a woman. They didn't bother me at all. It, and it was great having them. Because let me tell you something. Cocaine Bear is gory as hell. Yeah? People are not prepared for this. The jocks kept freaking out. I knew they were from the Baptist University because number one, they were all wearing the oh, the the Baptist University uh, shirts and jerseys and stuff. And number two, they were shocked when the body parts started flying and the bear is eating someone's guts while the person is still alive and people being flayed and shot through the head and 
these Baptist college boys, they're, they were screaming, and I was laughing. <laughs> but the film is dumb, and it's stupid. It was way gorier than I thought. It was a dumb, fun, stupid, funny, idiotic movie where here on Earth, in the year of our Lord, 2023... We're not smack dab in the middle of an imminent apocalyptic event. We're smack dab in the crosshairs of multiple imminent apocalyptic events, whether we're going to be hit by the giant meteor, whether it's uh, Putin, it's uh, all the right-wingers are certain we're going to be fighting with China in five seconds. Kim Jong-un is still a freak. There's all these other uh, viruses out there. Climate is insane right now. Yes. So I don't want to spend my fleeting time on this earth watching some three and a half hour historical drama. I just want something light and fun to ease the pain of my fleeting life. And this has been my dual review of Cocaine Bear and the 1988 horror film Flesh Eating Mothers. (laughs) Funny, can you grace us with the plot of this film? Yeah, there are mothers. They eat flesh. <laughs> it's never explained why. It's like a sexual disease. They this suddenly shows... just start getting hungry and start eating everything in the house and then start eating people. The film does a good job in a comedic way of showing just how scared people were of AIDS in the 80s. Yes, because this was some kind of a virus. Yeah, we're never it was a virus that turned people. I rem- watching this movie. It really gave me flashbacks to the late '80s, early '90s, where I'm hearing things. Don't French kiss people. You could get AIDS. When you sit down yeah. in a public toilet, be sure and put the little cover on it because by sitting down on this toilet seat, you could get AIDS. And it's like, okay, all of that was BS, but everyone was scared at the time. Yes. And you can kind of see that in flesh eating mothers. People have sex with this one dude and start eating their cares. That's basically the movie. Yeah. Don't you hate it when you're just running in the woods and you realize that your arm's gone? I do. Like how? I do. If I had a nickel, you know? But again, this is a horrible, horrible movie. It is. It is with bad. some. I mean, but when you have two actors sitting on a curb, one in a yellow hoodie, and she says the line, my mom ate my little brother. And they break out laughing mm-hmm. and just keep that shit in. Yeah. I appreciated that. And that stupid line of like, hey, we're going to have our mothers chewing our asses off. And it's like, ah, yeah, ah, you get it. But the uh, acting was horrible. Nobody was believable in the slightest and they were all basically just really reprehensible people. The acting was so horrible that it felt to me like, you know, like a like a Frankenstein seventy seven. You know, like 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 a Dracula seventy eight. Like yeah. this movie is Manos eighty eight. Yeah. 
That's what it felt like to me. That like this movie, it wouldn't surprise me if this movie was made because the fertilizer salesman was it had a bet going. Yeah. Yeah. It's it has such a low budget vibe that it felt like a modern day blood like an 80s version of Blood Feast. Well, Larry, looks like it's another long hard one. But money and, and time was put in on the effects. I mean, yep. I'm not saying the effects are great, but the that makeup was really interesting, be... and that jaw opening up and the chain biting thing yeah, were all yeah, really chain, pretty competent yeah. effects. Yeah. The film is so bad and so cheaply done that the poster that you have here next to us, it says... uh Flesh-eating mothers, they bit off more than they could chew. A good tagline would have also been, Flesh-eating mothers, wait, this isn't a trauma film? Yeah! That would have been a perfect... There was a trauma film... There was a trauma film that uh, Tom and I would watch all the time. And it was one of those films where it's just, it's not a film that Lloyd Kaufman made or that Lloyd Kaufman gave money to make. It's one of those films that someone made and it was really bad. So Lloyd Kaufman bought the rights and released it. Like it's Mother's Day. Blades. Yeah. Blades. And it's about a, it's about a golf course where the, the, the lawnmower they use to clean the golf course starts killing golfers. Okay. Just running them over. And it's just dumb and stupid and low budget but but so many trauma films they try and be bad this one tried to be good and they failed so it was purchased by trauma and i'm surprised that flesh-eating mothers is doesn't have the name lloyd kaufman in it at all yeah i'm surprised dick miller didn't show up <laughs> i was expecting him to pop up this seemed right up his alley at the time I mean, for every Gremlins, there was like that one really B-movie that he would appear in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This screams second film at the drive-in. Yes. There's the double feature, there's the big one you pay attention to, and then there's the one where you can just make out and get high. This is the second film. Yes. Also featuring Flesh-Eating Mother. I love the kid, Billy, who comes home in the beginning. He comes home and he's all, what's for dinner? And his mom has the sickness. But she's eating food like Mrs. Creosote in The Meaning of Life. Yeah. She's got spaghetti and pizza and mashed potatoes, and she's just eating. And then the husband shows up and shoots her as she's chewing Billy's severed leg. I will say this, though. I will say this. Unpopular opinion. This movie is cheaply made. It is badly done. The sound is way off. Everyone sounds like a 30-year-old New York City cab driver. Hey, Mom, I'm trying to study here. Bad script, bad acting. A lot of actors look like 80s porn stars. Really bad film. I still found it scarier than Skinamarink. Okay. Uh, if Skinamarink was made in Canada, 
for $15,000, and its worldwide box office total was over $2 million. Yeah. It is so bad. We were going to do it next, but this movie was so bad that for our next film, I picked something that's supposed to be good. But pretty soon, we're going to have to do Skin Marine, because I want you to see this film. Okay. And I want to discuss it with you. Okay. It is okay. The you should drink. Th- that's why. That's why I have said several times we should do a movie. Yeah. Do it right the... in your house. Draft all your kids. Yeah. But we can come up with something weird that we can set just in your house. I like those movies. I like those movies where you feel that you could make a movie comparable to this. I found a movie online that we're going to do eventually one of these uh, episodes, and it's called Attack of the Giant Blurry Thumb. Okay. And a couple made it during quarantine, and it's about a woman who is attacked by a giant blurry thumb, which is the thumb of the guy who's holding the camera. Okay. And it's like, you made a 72-minute-long film with that premise. We got to make a film. Yeah. And sometimes I feel that way with some films, like Flesh-Eating Mothers. Like, this is just a bunch of people who got together, and they had a fun time, you know? I mean, The You Should Drink More Milk Sun scene was scarier than the entirety of the film Skin of Marine. Yeah. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? It's bad and forgotten. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So the milk kid, he's there, and his mom's like, drink milk, son. Yes. You should drink more milk, son. You should drink more milk. And he drinks the rest of the milk. So that he is more like up. veal, which yeah. is what I yeah. what, which was I found kind of funny, except I yeah. hated that kid. Yeah. So so then the mom stands up and takes a bite out of the kid's forehead. And the kid's reaction to his mom biting a chunk of his forehead off is what? Yeah. That's it. I'm running away for real this time, mom. And then when he meets up with his uh, friends, the other uh, uh, 80s porn stars, yeah. he says, uh, oh, what happened to your forehead? Oh, my mom is on the rag. And that was the part that I that I thought was the most realistic. Because you know how in the 80s, Bunny, all moms smoked and owned owned uh, turquoise jewelry and Lee press-ons and took bite out of their kids' heads every 28 days? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just a part of life. Yes. It was just a part of life. This movie screams USA up all night. Yes, it does. But Rhonda Shearer, not... Uh, Gilbert Godfrey. Yes. The the ditzy blonde one. Bunny, if you saw your mother eating someone and then slowly creeping over to you, are you attacking your mother? Or are, you, are you one of the freaking teens in this movie? Uh, I, I could quietly leave. You know, no, but the thing, the thing that gets me is that the quick. teens are just like, I can't hit her. She's my mom. Sure, she ate my dad, and ate my brother, and ate my sister, and ate my friend, but I can't hit my mom. 
Dude, my mom eats one finger. I am getting a blowtorch. I'm sorry. <laughs> my mom looks at me a little bit hungry. I'm getting out of back. Yeah, I, I don't think I would do much whining about it. Yeah. I uh, I feel like this is a good, bad movie. There, There's a line between a lot of, a lot of movies try to be a bad movie and they fail because they're trying to be bad. Then there are those films that try really hard to be good but they end up being bad. We did that two summers ago. Battlefielder. Perfect example. Yeah. This movie's going to be great. Oh wait, it's horrible. Then there are those films those rare films where it's like, okay, this movie's not going to be the best but we're going to try our hardest and we're going to have fun. And they had fun making this movie and it looks fun and it's cheap and it's stupid and you know you smoke a joint and watch flesh eating mothers it's fine it's bad but it's uh, yeah, bad I'm, enough I'm sticking with my it's horrible really horrible but it's got bright spots it does it's got when that I yeah when that mom opened up her gaping maw like like um like uh, Garrett Morris in The Stuff, and yeah. her, her mouth open like uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. That got me. I'm like, oh, okay. Very impressive, You'll yes. You'll, you'll try. you put some effort into this. Good for you. Everybody go see Flesh-Eating Mothers. Out of all the 80s horror movies that are out here, this is one that I'm surprised that people don't know of that well. Yeah. Because Johnny Depp doesn't get sucked into a bed during it. Because Kevin Bacon isn't stabbed. Yes. Because Heather Langenkamp isn't in it. But this movie is fun. I, I, I had fun watching this horrible movie. Funny. What? <laughs> Next week. We were going to do another horrible movie, but I wanted to pick something that was a horror movie, but that's supposed to be good. And this is a movie that I've been wanting... I've been wanting to see every free day that I have. I have wanted to sit down and watch this movie, but I haven't been able to because I have five kids and I have a wife and it's been very difficult. But final, but I figured one good way to make sure that I watch it is to do it for the podcast. So next episode, next week, it's not next week, it's two weeks from now, but next week we will be watching Mia Goth, the new queen of horror from X and Pearl, two movies that came out in 2022 okay. that were freaking amazing. She stars in 2023's Infinity Pool. Okay. It's supposed to be good, but it might be bad. I don't know. It's a new horror film, and we're going to watch it. It's supposed to be crazy. And we are watching that next week. Uh, check the cough cough. It's okay, there. cool. That's what we're doing next week. But now that I'm looking back at this week, hey... Um, Dick Miller, uh, Sean Penn, John Cleese, Roger Waters, Just Kidding Rowling, Knock at the Cabin, Ant-Man 3, The Dark World, uh, American Psycho, like they'll ever make a movie out of that. I gotta say, uh, and, and this episode proving, along with the rest of the world, nobody really gives a shit about Julian Sands. Yes. Yes. 
I gotta say, uh, and some really great pickup lines. Don't want to forget that. I gotta say, I think this has been a pretty good episode of the podcast. This has been a damn good episode. Okay. Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> because I was gonna say that I felt I felt that way, but I feel like you're the one who gives kind of like the stamp of approval at the end of the podcast, and I don't want to step on any toes. When I say that, I try and say that specifically like Daffy Duck from the first episode of the Looney Tunes show, which was a sadly canceled ahead of its start. Uh, but yes, I concur with your assessment, good sir. So Daffy. until next week, Daffy. Yes. I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Maylin, and on behalf of Maxwell, Natasha, Mal, Eleanor, Maxwell, Amber, and everybody else, I just want to say thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, you godless heathens. And you douche waffles and poopy tits. And you cocaine bear. Nice. And you cookie. And you cookie, okay? Daphne Duck. Daphne Duck. Daphne Duck. Thanks. I'm never gonna, uh, never gonna outlive that. Do 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 do